Hello and welcome to Sports Talk, brought to you by sportstalk.ie. I'm Denise O'Flaherty and over the past few months, I've chatted to a broad range of sports stars and personalities in a nice, relaxed and casual format. Our show is sponsored by the fantastic Medell Healthcare and we would like to thank them for their continued sponsorship. This week's guest was part of the Longford Town team that gained promotion to the Premier Division for the first time ever in 2000, helped the club reach their first FAI Cup final in 2001 and subsequently a place in Europe. He then played a major part in the club's promotion relegation game with Finn Harps in 2002. It's Paul McNally. Paul McNally, or Macker, shall we call you, this year, it's 20 years since Longford Town got to their first ever cup final and 21 years since the very first promotion. When Stephen Kenny was manager, the club really have come on a long way. How did you end up in Longford? How did I end up in Longford? There was actually a goal playing with our team, St. Francis. Alan Mullen was his name. God rest him, actually. He passed away a couple of years ago. He was playing with St. Francis and believe it or not, he tried to call off Stephen Kenny in order for him to sign. He was a centre forward and a smash footballer. Muller actually uh, rang me himself and he said, we've got a phone call off a guy who just had to take an hour long for He'd actually played long for the team two previous with St. Francis because mm-hmm. he had to be in a record up to the first division. They actually finished bottom, I think. We finished second from bottom. Yeah. I was thinking, oh, Jesus, I'm not so sure about that. You know, he's got no, but this guy is... 26 years of age and apparently he's, he's going around doing a bit of a quill. He's sort of vouched for me as a, as a player and a couple of days later the phone rang and it was Stephen and I was uh, wondering whether he was interested in speaking to him and that. So no, we listened to what he had to say and uh, obviously liked what I heard and the, the rest is history then I ended up signing and it, it just went from there. When you think of what Stephen done and, you know, Longford Town actually given him a chance because at that stage he was the St. Pat's under-21 manager and, yeah. you know, the League of Ireland, it's kind of like a little roundabout with uh, managers. So Longford Town actually took a chance on him by giving him the job. 100%, yeah. Yeah, I don't know the ends of, too much of the ends and outs. It was, it was a big gamble, but <clears throat> I don't think any of the, the managers uh, previous to that, the last couple of years before that, had covered themselves with too much glory. And there was that old story about managers bringing in players that were like journeymen and yeah. just down to the field to get the last uh, couple of pay packets before they knock it on the head or whatever. But I'd say when the board listened to the 26-year-old Stephen Kenny and the ideas he had and what way he wanted to do things and his philosophy really about um, playing football and what well, he envisaged the club could, could end up like... Uh, I think that's that's probably what's right for them. Yeah, it worked out well for them, really, didn't it? it <laughs> and did. for us all, I'd say. You know, when you think of it, the first season finished fourth, and the first division back then yeah. was a fantastic division. Then the second yeah. season was the big one. Nearly went up as champions, only for Barry O'Connor scoring a late winner for Bray because right. it was level in Bray. Long for time we're building down in St. Coleman's Park in Cove. I don't think anyone cared so the town didn't go up as champions it was the fact that they got promoted that was like Stephen Kenny's second season in charge yeah it was um, well, you hit the nail on the head there 
and, and we as the players were exactly the same. We didn't care whether we were going up as champions once we were going up. So it was a tight run, and I remember all the way up throughout the season. And uh, I think we were, we were between ourselves and Brighton. Yeah. It was only going to be between us at the end of the season. But I can remember being down in Colm and Jackson going down on the bus and just thinking, right, I'm down on the letters drop here, you know, at the, at the final hurdle. So there was no sense in true of possible uh, results coming in and this was coming in about where you going one up or where you going one down. There was a couple of false shouts, you know. <laughs> when they're on the pitch, it's, uh, it's obviously got to keep their mind on it. But uh, we knew we just had to stick to, to what we could, what we had been doing all season. And we knew we had uh, what it took to, uh, to be called even down in Coleman's Park. So, uh, we did. We could have beaten by a couple of miles, if I'm honest, as well, if, if I remember right. But uh, there was some turnaround around from, from the previous couple of seasons leading up to Stephen Kenny's tenure and went, um, looked away upon those. Yeah, we were up, we were up, we were delayed, and we were looking forward to playing in the Premier Division and what, what that would be. And I don't think Cove has ever fully recovered from uh, Longford Town supporters. But when you think of it, Paul, and I always say it, to supporters, I know that town are back up again in the Premier Division, and I'm a yeah. proud Longford person, and I'm a, a big Longford town supporter. But without that first promotion, and without Stephen Kenny and you bunch of lads, I don't think Longford Town would have seen the success it had years after. Yeah, it's a fair point. Yeah, the, the man is like he's, he's a bit of a football wizard. When you see the, the career that he, the career path he went on after the town. Bows and a couple of clubs. We know ourselves. We'd obviously have a bit of banter with him, and he was a great man to be around, and that. And he'd enjoy the banter mm-hmm. himself. And he wasn't just a manager, and he wasn't a dictator or anything like that. We did used to have a good bit of crack, and that you know, it was a great dressing room to be in, and that. And we looked out for each other and all that, you know. But uh, yeah, we just, we just knew that the, the, the man had great ideas, and if he didn't do a long for he was going to do somewhere else along the line. You know what I mean? But we were just lucky enough that he came at the right time for us and we were there at the right time for him as well, to be fair. So uh, it went hand in hand, yeah. One person we will have to mention and it's someone that myself and yourself both taught a lot of and that was Christy Campbell. Christy came down as Stephen's assistant manager. Unfortunately, Christy passed away a couple of years yeah. ago. But... Um, they were just, uh, well, we call them the dynamic duo. They just worked so well together. Christy kind of was more of a father figure, I think, to Stephen, you know. And yeah. It was great for Stephen, but they just worked so well together. Yeah, 100%. Christy had been there and done it in fairness. You know, look, uh, Christy had played League of Ireland for years and he'd always used to remind us about the time he played against George Best and, <laughs> and what have you. It, um, yeah, there was like a, a good cop, bad cop yeah. sort of thing between the two of them. Obviously, Stephen being manager, I had to had to manage and Christy be like he take the training sessions and not only that, he, like Stephen would do the one on one talks with you and blah blah blah. Might give you a dressing down the odd time or whatever. And then Christy would always be there to sort of pick up the pieces, have a quiet word himself, give you a little cheer up, give you a little pat on the back, tell you they're the best player in the world or whatever. You know what I mean? And yeah, he would just tell you to. Christie's word, it was a quiet word, but it was always mm. the right word. And it was, it was always, you always appreciated it coming from Christie because he'd been there. You know what I mean? He'd been there with League of Ireland. He knew how to talk to play at the top level in Ireland. So, yeah, absolute gentleman. Great training sessions. Uh, Mr. Man. I remember his Mrs. Anthony and that used to come down to the games yeah. as well. 
And uh, yeah, no, there was a real family vibe around the whole thing at the time as well. Like we, we found young parents going down, Wesley's parents, Steve's parents, and that thing was wife and that, you know, just to get on. But because, yeah, no, but uh, Christy, very sorely missed. And uh, yeah, she's a major, major part of uh, the success back then. You just mentioned your parents and people like that. And there was a great relationship with the players and the supporters, but also their parents and supporters. And it's great to see, you know, you mentioned Robbie Coyle and poor Peg Coyle passed away a couple yeah. of years ago, but we still kept in contact with her. your own parents, your, your dad. You know, we've lost so many good supporters. Your dad passed away, but, you know, I'd always remember yeah. your mum, Angela, and I'd ask you how she was keeping and it's lovely yeah. that, you know, after all these years later that we're we're still in contact. But I think it was because of Stephen, you know, he had that, he built that relationship between the supporters and the players. Yeah, definitely. We started off, we had a couple of training sessions in Dublin with just the Dublin lads. And um, not too long into it then, into pre-season, we were all shipped down to, uh, I think it was a Saturday or a Sunday, if I remember right there. Told we're going to be training down in Longford at the weekend, and uh, we were straight down there, and we were integrated, integrated straight away with a lo- couple of local lads, and a couple of young lads there as well, uh, the likes of uh, Henry Kenny and that. He brought us around the town and he showed us what he was all about. We, we met a couple of people involved with the club. It was just what Stephen wanted, you know. We wanted that thing where people got behind you and. He wanted it to be basic. He didn't want those like, like a set of mercenaries, like mm. traveling down from Dublin, just just collecting our wages and heading back to Dublin to spend it. You know that type of way. He wanted us to be to be in, to the community of, of Lancaster itself, and uh, he went the right way about it because I think it wasn't only like the the, the football pitch. I think it was the, the people off the pitch as well were a major part in their success. Like, you know, when you think of it, promotion secured. The 2002-2001 season was something special. First ever appearance in an FAI Cup final, unfortunately beaten by a goal by Taki O'Connor and I don't think the chap has scored a goal since. But because Bose won the double, Longford Town were in Europe. So from the moment you set foot down in Malalher, as it was called then, to a couple of years later, you're playing in Taka Park in a cup final and looking forward to a trip to Europe? It was hard to believe, yeah. I remember Stephen actually, I think we were on the bus going to one of the games and of course I'd be one of the bad boys down the back of the bus. And Never. There'd be, slag- <laughs> be a bit of slagging going on as usual. A couple of newspapers down the back of the bus and uh, you pass around and you'd be reading through and the lads who ever get on the bus first with the paper and just lads have a look at this. And it was, uh, it was an article with Stephen. It's on the paper. And it was, uh, I think it was like Europe, Europe in, within three years. And we were actually having tears laughing at the back of the bus, thinking, oh God, like we, we knew it was half decent, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But we were thinking, he's gone a bit far, like, you know, he's put a bit of pressure on us here, like, and, and we were thinking, does he, does he mean he's going to deal with us? Uh, ugly set of players, or will we be like used and then shipped out and he's going to, Got some decent hats in or whatever. We didn't know what way to take it. Jesus, it, it, it turned out he was a man of his world and we ended up playing as well. We said, uh, we got to, got to the cup final and we ended up uh, playing in Europe as a result. Litex Lovitz from Bulgaria, but 
when you're racist. So it was just funny how it panned out, yeah. Yeah, it was just, it was, it was crazy. Like, but yeah, he stuck to his word, the man, didn't he, really? Your penalties along the way. Actually, well, we could say Vinnie Perth's 90-something when it equaliser against uh, yeah. Cork City was the one that started. I remember a Cork City journalist saying to me before it was 91st minute, listen, I'll see a girl, you know, hard luck. And the next minute, Vinny pops up and scores that goal. But the run was remarkable. But also, you came out, you were um, our penalty taker and you took penalties, though unfortunately you didn't score the one that got us to the cup final. That was uh, Stephen Kelly. But uh, your goals were important in that cup run. Yeah, I think um, I think I landed that on the penalty uh, taken to by accident that season because Although it's still by football, I actually always took them for the club and that. And then just, I think when I went to St. Francis then, I was a young fella and they'd always got their panel takers and I was sort of back with the pool when it came to taking penalties for that. So by the time I got to Longford then, um, I sort of lost interest in taking penalties and then I think it was before the quarterfinals or whatever, we were training in that kill. And uh, Stephen had the idea, okay lads, uh, We'll just take, no, I don't think we'd ever done it before. And he just says, come on, we'll, we'll just start practicing up here. And I was like, the usual suspects were up the centre forwards or that, the midfielders were painting a few. And I think we ended up having a competition and I think we ended up winning it, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, uh, I think Stephen Kelly was a, Kelly, I was a panel taker. Mm. And uh, something happened to him, he was, he was crocked and he was injured for a couple of weeks and I was landed on my lap then. And I think Paul Marnock was the... Yeah. And in the, in the in the cup round, Paul Marnock was yeah. Uh, I think we went one down, did we? Against them, yeah. it was a bit of a fluke. Uh, OG type goal, I think it was from a cross or something like that. But uh, totally against the run of play, we were totally dominant in the game. And then yeah, we we get it. Uh, I think Mumble scores a header at the back post, Keith O'Connor to make it one all. And with about eight ten minutes left, they came to go. We were hitting everything. We were hitting crossbars, we were hitting posts, we hitting the keeper. We hit a bit of everything, but we couldn't get the ball in, and the next of all, we got a penalty. And I remember thinking, ah, that's great. Here's a penalty, you know, happy days. We'll, uh, we'll get through this. And then I think it was Eric Smith beside me. They were up. <laughs> but actually, fuck off. That I was on the penalties. Yeah, I went up and I remember coming off the pitch, actually, and my dad actually saying to me, you didn't hit that the best, did you? <laughs> it's like I, I did I said I said like I used to have a technique of taking them where I just, as I ran up I'd show the keeper I was going to put it one way but I'd pull it in the other corner as, as you say you give the keeper the eyes and uh, yeah the keeper's going the, the wrong way all day so I just have to slot it the other way so that's what I did and I remember having an argument with my dad about it because I wasn't coming off the pitch thinking oh look I'm not the scoring the winner in the class and the field and the elf was down to me uh so you didn't hit that the best, did you? <laughs> Thanks, Pa. Yeah, that's great. Thanks very much, yeah. But, uh, yeah, it was actually the following week that makes you think, was it? We played Waterford. It wasn't too long after. Waterford went to scored a crack and on goal. Sorry, Stevie. An absolute worldly of... Uh, yeah, an absolute worldly of an OG. And, Jason, uh, we didn't start off too good yeah. in that game, to be honest with you. It was actually... I think it was a full house down the RSC, was it? And it was live on... Uh, it was live on RTE. Yeah, and uh, I was actually carrying an, an injury myself. I was struggling with my kill for, for a long time. And I used to put these uh, on the kill right boots. I was trying everything to just to play every week, you know. And 
No, I just couldn't get it going this this uh, first half of this game. And uh, I think 15 minutes before, 10, 15 minutes before half time, after we went one down with Stevie Smunder, I go, oh gee, uh, we've got a penalty for it. Would you call it soft, at least, mm-hmm. uh, Colleen O'Carroll? I always thank Paul McKeown, the referee, for that. But yeah, well, yeah, but, <clears throat> soft, yeah, yeah. Good, good Dublin man, old Paul. Yeah, <laughs> good Dublin man. But he, he definitely looked after us on that occasion. But uh, I think it was the same thing again. Like I was, I was at the back and we got the penalty, and I'm, I'm stretching me Achilles trying to get a move, and I get the penalty, and I'm, I'm thinking, oh, I'm happy days are back in the game, and then I'm not getting around the penalty. <laughs> so I'm just, I have to go and take the penalty. Slotted that in, so yeah. So, two panels on the trot and the only unfortunate thing was uh, I missed I had to come off about first 10 minutes into the start of the second half with the Achilles actually and uh, I missed the replay then because we drew one all I missed the replay the following what was it was or something like that was it and, uh, but Kellyer was and back and Kellyer was back anyway and he got the glory because he actually <laughs> took the turn out with I was actually a bit envious uh, that time, uh, Kelly. I uh, even though I wasn't in great, but I was actually a bit envious because there was Jesus. There was some crowd in uh, Stroke Town Road oh, that day. Was unreal. That evening, yeah, yeah, yeah. There was some crowd. I remember, and I remember looking around, and I was obviously, I was obviously watching it from the stand, but uh, the flares and all that going off, and it was like it was a proper atmosphere, at it, and like we were, just, we just wanted to play in an in in FAO Cup final. You know what I mean? After everything that had gone before and the success we had getting promoted and that, it was just like, I'd love to be taking that penalty you now, Kanish, you know. But Kelly has took it away, fair play to him, and uh, yeah, we got to the final. You mentioned Europe, and for a few long for town supporters, we didn't get to Bulgaria. We were yeah. stuck in the airport. Actually, the players were stuck in the airport with us too. Yeah. But for a Roscommon man, 747 travel, I think, was was it that got Longford Town players out to Bulgaria. But for myself and the likes of Martin and Pork Stapleton and that, we didn't get out to uh, Bulgaria. No, it was a big shame. And like, what we've spoken about up to now, it was like, it was, not only was it what went on in the pitch, it was it was the supporters off the pitch mm. as well. We had a big part in our success, and like obviously we struggled to get over for the game. And then when we got out, we eventually got over there. The hook, the cook, uh, got around uh, in our hotel that the, most of the supporters are not going to be able to make it up. You know, and I can actually remember Stephen Kenny having them pulling us all together for a team meeting, and the, the team meeting was specifically about the support coming over mm-hmm. and was was not to not to get downhearted at the but to give them something to be proud of uh, during the game and that you know what I mean and like well, I remember running out to warm up now in fairness to the Litex Lovett supporters they gave us a great reception mm-hmm. as we ran out you know they, they actually did like in there so I remember looking up to see if there was actually a, a couple of uh, lucky people that to travel over. Uh, I think some of them had clients trying to learn more deals, like yeah. went to a couple of eight different countries and yeah. to get there and what have you. We actually went over and spoke to them. We went out to uh, to look at the pitch before the game. We actually went out and spoke to a couple of them through the fence or whatever and that. And, uh, yeah, no, we were well, like I said, Stephen Kenny had a meeting about it and just told us not to. Uh, not to get too downhearted about it and the, the important thing is to go out and play the game and 
give a good account of ourselves and uh, I think we did that, didn't we? I suppose if we're looking back at your time with Longford Town, it was like a roller coaster. So many highs and uh, can't even say lows because it was just like just up and down. But the next season, 2002, Longford Town finished in the playoff spot, had to play Finn yeah. Harps, 1 0 up, going up to Bally Buffet. And for any League of Ireland supporter, they know what it's like going up to Bally Buffet to get a result, to have to win. It's yeah. always going to be tough. And if someone said to me, all the years supporting Longford Town, what was your standout or your highlight? And I think this for me was us staying up. And unfortunately, Stephen had left to go to Bowes and he wasn't charged then. It was Martin Lawler. But for the yeah. fact that Town stayed up, that was a huge thing, that they didn't go back down to um, the First Division again. But what a night, sudden death penalties and everything. And it was you that scored the penalty in extra time to actually bring the game to penalties. That game had everything. And I think someone had it up on Facebook there a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And uh, I think it was the guy, I think it's Martin Stable yeah, that's the guy's name, yeah. is And he puts up, the, he puts up every couple of days a couple of his old programmes and uh, there's a couple of lemon going on. But he had the Finn Harps program from that game, the, the return leg. Up in Bally Buffet, and then someone actually put up a YouTube uh, video of the whole game, and I actually I ended up watching. It. My dad did and, too. Yeah, and my God, what a game! Like it was. Now, don't get me wrong; it's not a game for the it wasn't a game for the purists. You're not going to tune in expecting like the football or whatever. It was far from that. Oh, but it was. But, just, uh, it had everything. It, just, it, it had everything. Late penalties, had sendings off, had couple of cracking goals there was end to end stuff now more so Finn Harps <laughs> down there and then on else they were very direct on the night if I remember they were they sent the halves and the full backs were just trying to hit over the top all the time and pick up second balls and that you know what I mean they, 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 look they were just trying to get, do what they had to do to try and win the game but uh, yeah um, we, we, I remember uh, struggling through that game actually because we were just it was as we used to call it back in the day, the Alamo. It was just like Finn Harps. It was just a constant wave, mm -hmm. like coming at us, coming at us. You were creating the ball, like you whatever you could get your foot onto. You know, you were swiping balls out into the stands. You were heading balls sideways just to get mix on it all. They were just totally up for it, especially after I was winning the first game when nail in there. Strokes Town it was a fair to call Got the got the goal. Was it Denise? Early? Yeah, and uh, look, I think in. We could have actually had a more on the night, but we didn't. But uh, how and ever, we went up there, and we actually went up the night before, and uh, the, the the day before, actually, the game was game was on a Tuesday night, and we travelled up the day before, and we trained. We trained. We did an hour's training session the morning of the game, which we'd never done before because thankfully we were we were put on pens and papers as part time players. Like you know what I mean? We'd all got jobs. And, we had to take time off work and a couple of days out of work for this, but it was watering the end. But yeah, I think it was the most important panel I've ever taken in my life that one extra time. And they added a bit of pressure on it as well, Denise. And as you said, we didn't really want to get, get relegated down to the division from myself because I'd already agreed to sign the pre contract millions a couple of weeks before that. So 
I was, I was gone. I was gone to Bahamians anyway. So I couldn't just say, well, I'm all right, Jack. I, I'd be playing the Premier Division next season. I wanted to make sure that the club I played for and loved for the previous four years were going to be playing in the Premier Division as well. So I didn't want that legacy of the four years I had there to be ruined. I was missing the pen So yeah, there was a, there was a bit of pressure on that one to me. It's lovely the way you say, though, as well, about how important it was to you and how important the club were to you. No Longford Town supporter felt anyway annoyed or angry with you with leaving the club. You know, you got your chance to play yeah. professional football. So I think my mother was the most upset one because uh, you were like <laughs> another son to her, so she was going to lose Paul McNally. But I think every, you know, and, and even the reception you got when you come back down to Longford, it killed me seeing you in uh, different gear and it killed a lot of supporters but you gave us some very good times so it was a chance for you you know to follow your dream it was an offer I couldn't turn down Denise you know um, not more so the fact that like obviously Stephen Kenny and the old gaffer was was there was at the taking the job and he was the one made contact with me or whatever but okay Lancer were moving in the right direction and progressing very well and that but Bohemians were the club to be at at the time, like, mm. you know, and it was it, it was a full time setup and offered a two year contract solely just play football uh, for that three years and just see how good I could become, you know. So yeah, it was a no brainer for me, Denise, and it did. It was a big wrench you know, between friends on the pitch and off the pitch. It was it was a big uh, it was good wrench you now to to have to break it to people and that and you know no myself and players like Digger and Zinni. And, and like you know, I think there was there was tears like you know, but uh, I had to make that move and look at pay dividends because I have that little gold Premier Division Women's Medal from the first year we played for Bohemian, so you know, I was I was happy decision in the end, but it was tough. Unfortunately, you actually had to retire very young from football. Yeah, yeah, twenty eight years of age, and I actually didn't realise that I was that young. Until I was done, we played a Sean Prunty's testimonial then, and there was a bit of a dinner after, or a function after. Uh, yeah, and so, when, some, a when some idiot paid way over the top for somebody's jersey. Jeez, you're talking about my jersey. I'll buy it, I'll buy it back off in myself. <laughs> I'll sign it for you then. <laughs> um, Stephen Kenny actually got up and said a few words. Obviously, Sean had to retire with the the the, uh, the pacemaker thing and Stephen referenced it then in his words and he said like I can't remember the last goal I remember having their tour at such a young age was sitting down there at the table with Paul McNally at 28 and I was like for the for the next half an hour I was just sitting there in the old world going Jesus yeah it was like it was I got a I got a pubic boundary basically in uh, when I my first season with Bohemians and uh, I was just getting an injection. I remember going to O'Neill Sports Medicine there on the on Dorset Street and I was down with Dr. Mel McCaffrey and the uh, EDR Medicine I think one day and he goes okay we found out what's wrong you know and there was, there was dust coming off this book and he opened the pages and he goes like, like this is the first case I think he's heard in donkey's years of this he says oh, didn't really, I've never really heard of it he says it's sort of fellas that play American football and all that and, and astrotorts over him America to, uh, get this type of injury, you know, so we'll do what we can for you and we'll get you back, don't worry about it type of thing. And basically their treatment was like just to give you an injection under under X ray um, in the 
for the hospital and it really just masked the problem you know mm. it just it never really went away and I'd rest for 10 days for two weeks and then I'd get back into light jogging and as you do you do your rehab and get back up to speed and um, a month or two later it was just nagging it was like a bad going strain all the time and I found I was taking anti-inflammatories just to do a warm up and training like you know so no it, it ended up like toward the final year and the contract at those where I was sort of sitting in the stand more so than uh, playing football on the pitch so the rhythm was on the wall there and I ended up yeah, we ended up having to. Bowls ran out of money actually because we didn't quite. I think we finished fourth that season. Yeah. Now we were playing football and the room was on the wall. I think players were leaving, players were not getting new contracts, and then we obviously hadn't played it last season. And it was like, yeah, I don't think they're going to offer me anything. And I ended up, yeah, I ended up having to retire then because I tried to. I tried to, uh, I think the UCD, yeah, Pete Mann came in. To, see if I wanted to give it a go and I remember going out to uh, UCD's grounds to, to do a training session and I said listen Pete I'm going to go out about half an hour earlier and before you start training and I said I just haven't done anything in a while and I just want to see and geez, within 10 minutes we're running around this pitch out in UCD so the bad grind strain as well record you know so I was like sorry Pete I'd love to take up your offer but I can't so yeah I had to retire it's funny right Unfortunately. But fortunately for a lot of young Liverpool fans now and Ireland fans or even older, you um, have a chance to show us some of your skills. Um, you play for the Republic of Ireland and for Liverpool, is it over for 35s or we call it Masters or, or Legends? Yeah, masters, or, yeah. what, masters, right? We won't call it le- Legends or Legends, as some people would say. Legends, yeah, yeah, there was an, an initiative started up there uh, a couple of years ago by um, Mark O'Neill and, and Mick Bourne and it was um, they started up the Republic of Ireland Masters team and basically playing charity games around the country for clubs looking to fundraise and then you have their, their anniversary celebrations and what have you. So, yeah, there was a guy came on, came on board getting uh, the likes of Ronnie Wayne and Ronnie Houghton and these guys from across the world to come over and play in these games and his name is Dave Hall and he's actually uh, we've actually turned out the very good friends the best of friends so Dave would organise these Liverpool Legends games and the guys are over here particularly down around the court career and that so Dave gave me show one of the days and, and said hey Mark I'm going to go to shot down here with your fancy time with Liverpool Legends and I think I did alright the first time I played so yeah it's he always gives me a show for these games and it's, it's great to play because you watch on the telly one of the big trophies years ago you know yeah I, I can just imagine you're probably back to being a little boy also because of you playing with the Liverpool Legends you became a bit of a when we say a YouTube sensation or a social media <laughs> star, your singing went viral see everyone sees that Ray Houghton clip and I have to tell people it's actually my friend Macker actually was the singing in the yeah you decided to uh, make a clip of Ray Houghton. Did you realise what was going to happen? No, it was funny because obviously I played a, a good few games now at Ray and that. So um, we actually, I knew what it was actually and asked uh, would I be able to pick Ray up for about 10 minutes from the house and we were actually playing a um Castle Island down in Kerry. So I know, uh, I'm just telling direction here now, so not that. Uh, Dave says to me, will you pick Ray up? So, uh, my brother-in-law, Joey, 
another player that plays with Janet and Prizman, uh, played for Bowers and Shells and that, he, uh, we were going down the same car, we picked Ray up. And I remember I was telling the lads on the WhatsApp group actually the week leading up to it, I said, we're going to have Ray Hound in the car, I was trying to do something funny or whatever and stick something up. But we were actually, Ray's a good man because like, he's always got his like MC type of head on, his, uh, his after dinner speaking type of head on. Just talk to the he's like, he's checking already, you know, so all the way down, like you could imagine, three and a half hour drive down to Castle Island from, from Dublin, so all the way down, and I'm in the backseat with Ray, and all the way down, it's, it's Ray's stories, this story's that, and then he's, you know, like, at this stage, I've heard stories. Hmm. I was actually quiet, yeah, and I was trying to get a, a bit of shut eye on the way down, and what have you, and then we're about 15 minutes coming in to Castle Island. Dave Hall ring me and says, uh, where are you? He was close to you and he said, with this place and goes, oh, you're grand. He says, 15 minutes, he says, you'll be here. He says, oh, that's great. See you then. So, Ray sort of come up for a bit of air at the time. <laughs> and uh, I said, yeah, Ray, look, we're going to we're gonna do a little funny video for the lads on the WhatsApp group. He says, just pretend we're like being annoying you all the way down and we haven't stopped singing this song. And uh, just give it an hour, is the heaven type of thing. And we literally did it in one shot, like on, on the camera phone. And it was just like, boom, boom. Sent it to the lads, WhatsApp group, put my phone back in the pocket. Within minutes, my phone was happening. The two boys in the front seat, or uh, Joey and uh, John and Prisman's fans were happening. And they're like, Maka, Maka, this thing is kind of ridiculous. And I was like, for the next couple of days, actually, my friends and Australia, my friends in America, Dubai, and this this video has gone on over the world. It was just ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. But Ray didn't know what to make of it at the start for the first couple of hours because his songs started hopping as well and he was getting tweets on Twitter and what have you. But turned out well in the end, but now he's got the legacy, not only of his, uh, his goal, or his good, I should say, but uh, anything that's his birthday or anything on social media, they seem to uh, put that video up. Which is nice for me and the boys, but not, not for Ray. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, well, thanks to you. I was talking to him uh, a few weeks ago, so he said, done up like a kipper, so I think he's going to get you back. So I think uh, I'll be watching my back now if I was you. I think I will actually have to watch my back. Yeah, no, we look, he's a, he's a great skin. Okay. He's a, he is a great guy. Um, yeah, I'm glad I asked him to, to do the interview with you because... He is, he's very obliging and mm. he's, he's very kind with it. Even when we're down playing those charity games, like he's always got time for people and it doesn't seem to phase him. Like there'll be people pulling out and left, right and centre and interrupting him eating his dinner. Or, but I've never seen him give out. I've never seen him have a bad word or anyone. So yeah, no, I was delighted he did that interview for you, Denise. He's a good man. This is your life, but it's your Longford Town life we've we've spoken about. I suppose, you know, down to the years, you have um, influences or people that have helped you along the way. I know we didn't really talk much about your St. Francis days or Bohemians. I just wanted to kind of focus on Longford Town, the fact that, you know, this year is a special year. But yeah. for you, um, your influences from even early days. There's a man I put it all down to. Um, it, was a, it was a guy playing football originally. Now, my mother is from a family of 13 and my granny's was at the end of my road to keep her out and trim her. And the family called it Duggins. And I used to play football with all the 
Hong Kong. So it's only my mother's the second eldest. So we'd be playing football with the likes of you, my uncle Eugene, Karen Christo. My cousin actually lived eight doors down from me, David Duggan. He, we're, we're best, we are best mates, like, you know, as well as being cousins. So, uh, but there was a guy who who ran a local team called Galpy and his name was John Hoyland, Johnny Hoyland. He passed away a number, a number of years ago, God rest him. To be honest with you, I owe it all to him, really. He got me involved with the Galpy Celtic team from when I was nine years of age, then we broke up a couple of years later, three or four years later. I'd seen I was, I was uh, acting the goal around Drimna, and I was playing for the Mouse teams, and wasting my time a bit, if I'm honest with you, you know? And, uh, yeah, Kelly sort of pulled me one day and says, um, listen, does, does a club want to, to get you involved? He says, my father founded the club and it was uh, uh, St. Francis. But only for Johnny, Johnny Hoyland, and uh, yeah, I'd probably be, I'd probably be sitting there going, you know, I could have been a contender or one of these and the highlight of my life would have been playing in Brickfield Park, got hit in the crossbar or something stupid like that, you know what I mean? But Johnny liked me off the street, got me down to the trial game for St. Francis the rest is history. Johnny always believed in me, and I was I'd be eternally grateful for that. So, yeah, Johnny Hurley be a, a big influence. Um, obviously, Stephen Kenny, um, Pete Mann, Pete mm. Mann as well, St. Francis. So, a marvellous manager. Great manager. Great club, St. Francis. Uh, went there at 17. I didn't know me. Cash from the elbow, as they <laughs> say. Learned about respecting and cleaning your football boots and wearing your, your jumper to the games and uh, Johnny, Johnny Hoyland's uh, father was actually still there. It's actually called John Hoyland. Oh, yeah. Uh, Donald is. So his father, God rest him, uh, he was a lovely used man. to I, I train, yeah, I train him on a Wednesday and a Friday down in Dawson Park. John Hoyland Senior used to be there making the tea after training. And if it was a winter's night, he'd have a bit of bovril or soup or whatever, but he'd have the old crusty donuts and all that from uh, Catherine's Bakery and all the MSC, so uh, the Liberty. So he's a man as well, yeah. I, I, I learned respect and uh, it was a good grounding in the game with the guys down there at the time and the likes of Mel Griffin John Swift the, the Freemans and that they looked after you on the pitch and they thought you could have a turf as well so. there's one other man I have to give a special mention to him the big name in Trimna uh, football would be Yeti O'Neill Trimna uh, Celtic family Ben Madigan United and had a couple of good years with Eddie and he's uh, he's done wonders for the, the football around Trimna Eddie on Facebook, he would always share so many things and especially lads that were from Drimna and he knows and obviously I would have seen lots of things from the McNally's or if I put up something about Longford Town, he would have mentioned you. So it seems that, you know, everyone that went through a Drimna Celtic or that Eddie knew, you were kind of like his sons. Um, yeah, you always kept an eye on how you progressed and an interesting story actually was when I was there. My mother was making me debut for balls actually, and um, Eddie's got a good big connection with uh, O'Neill's uh, football, and to make the kits and all that the manufacturers. And uh, my mother was coming to the game, and she was looking for a jersey, and obviously was making me debut for the uh, High Dimension Bohemians. It's <laughs> 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 been a long for two, but uh, my daughter was on the other end of the pitch with UCD, so. Eddie got a, a jersey made up from O'Neill's with a half-spot Indian and a half-UCD. So you have that picture, yeah, yourself and Alan, yeah. That's 
enjoy it on the pitch before the game, yeah. So, uh, no, that was all thanks to Eddie O'Neill, yeah. So, That's Eddie was doing half and half jerseys way before they came in because they're the big thing now in Gaelic. I remember getting one for my nephew when he was born, a half Longford, half Monaghan jersey. So, Eddie O'Neill started it in League of Ireland yeah. terms. Yeah, a bit of a trend, so, uh, Eddie. But, uh, so, Angela McNally better frame that because that's a, a special jersey. Yeah, she has it at home. I actually mentioned it to her there. It wasn't too long, a couple of months ago, actually. Eddie was looking for a copy of the photograph. Oh. And, uh, so, yeah, I said it to my mother at the time. And she, she actually has the jersey, but she hasn't uh, She hasn't made a frame for it yet. So she, she probably has it at the bottom of her wardrobe somewhere. Now my mother has. Well, it could be like your jersey. It's hanging up in my wardrobe. Still haven't framed it because I can't afford to frame it. All the money that I spent on it, but sure. <laughs> I'm so glad you said that, lovely. <laughs> oh, sure. It's, it's, you know, you should be saying, but sure, it's priceless, but you won't. I know we mentioned earlier on a few friends and um, people in your life that have passed on or the people that we knew associated with Lundford Town. And there's so many down to the years but last number of years, you know, people that you would have thought a lot of and were so important to Longford Town would have been the likes of Christy Brady. Christy used to make the tea, Butch Tracy. And then uh, one person that you always asked me how he was keeping and his wife, Josephine, and good friend Mary was uh, poor Frank. Frank Lancy. Yeah, terrible news there. to hear about Frank. Yeah, Josephine as well. And uh, the, the lovely daughter, Laura. We're going back to when we first uh, went down to, to Longford as a team and we started uh, integrating with the, with the locals so long to the better town. Frank, I think, was one of the first uh, people I met running for the minutes and uh, it, it seemed to be a winning team then between the two of us down. So be the first, when you went down for a home game, Frank would always be the first person you, you saw bumped into when you walked into Strongstown Road, you know? Never, never across word, never seen him get out to anyone. Uh, everything was positive with Frank. I always had a smile on his face. I always asked her how you were doing. I always asked how was your mother or your father or how you coming down for the game or, or make sure they looked after and all that. And, uh, the, the beauty about Frank as well at the time was that he always knew when to have a chat with you. I went to sort of leave you alone or just give you a nod. Like, you know, say it was a big game or something. Your mind might be elsewhere. Just, just say hello, give you a nod and talk to you later type of thing. And, yeah, his lovely wife, Josephine, used to work in the, in the club shop as well. And, uh, lovely woman, yeah, and, and, and the daughter, obviously, Laura, a uh, lovely girl. But uh, Christy as well. Uh, Christy used to, after the games, used to uh, do the car park down in the, the Longford Arms Hotel, yeah. and, if I'm not mistaken, Denise, yeah. yeah. But the same thing, you you go down, and Christy would nearly be telling you to park the car in the <laughs> car park, you'd look after it, and have a quick word with you about the game, and what you think of this guy, and you're at. Nothing major, and yeah, very sad to hear about Christy passing as well. An absolute gentleman, lovely man. And then obviously, Butch. Butch was a character that like, mm-hmm. travelled everywhere. It was, like yourself, and he's travelled everywhere. He was, he was always there. He'd give you an old nudge, maybe break your elbow, talking to you, you know. Austin is, is, uh, is, is off laughing at things that wasn't even funny half the time, but no, just a good character. He'd take your mind off the game, yeah. actually, you know. I took away, he was just. Well, listen, you're always welcome and 
yourself and Digger and Vinnie Perth and Jared Thompson, all those lads, Jimmy Farrell, we can't uh, forget the local lad. Yeah, you'll always be yeah. you'll always be heroes to us and uh, we'll never forget the good times. Thank you so much for this, Mr. McNally. I can't wait till we bring Thanks out. Very much, I can't wait till we bring out your book. Yeah, well, a few years left in the air, hopefully. So you never know. I'll give you a let's put it that way. A good match.